Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore. From magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, July 29th is moments away, but let's thank these unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or Internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Ben, do you feel like doing a song of the day? Yes, of course. Oh, all right. I'm glad. And you know, uh, in honor of Miles Conflassen, Okay, I'm going to do light my fire because Miles, who is a regular guest in the show, uh, since the quarantine is turning into the second coming of Jim Morrison of the doors, uh, he's letting his hair grow out big time. But 
I'm going to do a twist. I'm going to do the Jose Feliciano version, okay? Ooh. Which Miles was not aware of. And so, uh, stepped in. Wait, that's the wrong song. <laughs> Come on, baby, light my fire. Now I play acoustic guitar. <laughs> that's the, the acoustic guitar. <laughs> Come on, baby, light my fire. Oh, I love that song, D. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, July 29th, and live from my apartment in Ben's attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the Kanye Party Wednesday. And here's why. Breaking news in today's Chicago Tribune. Kanye West is running for president. Repeat, Kanye West is running for president. Also, Willie Wilson is running for Senate. Repeat, Willie Wilson is running for Senate. Okay, neither of those things are actually breaking news. as They had already been reported and you already knew it. So how about this? This is how they would do it on the news, D. New deal, new details on Kanye West's presidential aspirations. For more details, let's go to Dr. D. Here I am outside of the courthouse where Kanye West. That was your Mike Flannery, by the way. Was it Flannery? A little little Flannery. I heard a little Flannery in there. Somewhere somewhere deep inside of me, there's a guy, you know, I should have been one of those TV guys. Breaking news, breaking news. Anyway, you can learn a lot about these machinations, uh, about uh, how to get on the ballot and how elections work. And uh, so uh, new details uh, on Kanye West are, yes, he officially filed the signatures to get on the Illinois ballot. uh, And those signatures were immediately challenged to kick him off the ballot. And the same thing happened when Willie Wilson filed for the U.S. Senate. Now, I realize there are many questions raised by this breaking news, which, unfortunately, the newspapers did not answer, probably for space reasons. So let me fill in the blanks. First question, and this is one from a Dr. D in Alton. He wants to know, did Kanye file as the birthday party question? (laughs) Birthday party candidate. Excellent question, Dr. D from Alton. And there's a good reason for asking that. When Kanye first mentioned that he was running, he said he was running on the birthday party, which I thought was a pretty funny joke and immediately qualified him to be president on the grounds that it's always good to have a president with a sense of humor. And let's face it, D, the only thing redeemable about Donald Trump is sometimes he's so whacked out that he's funny. Unfortunately, the story didn't mention this, so intrepid investigative reporter that I am, D, I went to the Illinois Board of Elections website where I discovered Kanye is not running on the birthday party. Repeat, Kanye is not running on the birthday party. He's running as an independent, which is really boring. And I think that we all agree that there really is no longer any reason to vote for him as he's just as boring as all the other candidates. Yeah, that birthday party thing, that was a seller. 
That was it. No birthday party. No vote for Kanye. Something you should know about Kanye. This is not technically his first foray into politics. Back in, I think it was 2019, uh, he momentarily supported Amara Enya when she was running for mayor of the city of Chicago. He even donated money to her campaign. And as I recall, he made exactly one appearance for Amara. Maybe he made more, but I can only remember the one. He showed up late for some... Uh, event they had, I think it was in the south side of Chicago. Chance the Rapper was also there, which is why Kanye showed up. And as I recall, Kanye stayed for, I don't know, five, ten minutes, and then he left telling Chance, I gotta bounce. Uh, Some reporter picked up on that one, and for the longest time I was going around saying, I gotta bounce, because I thought it was a pretty cool saying. In fact, I would say to D, we'd be talking, i go, well, D, I love talking to you, but I gotta bounce. Anyway, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, that was the high part of his, the high point of his participation in that election. And the only real reason why he is anyway a uh, worthwhile participant uh, in his endorsement of Marenya. Just so you know, just because you file signatures to run for office doesn't mean you're on the ballot. There's a host of rules and regulations that govern access. And if you don't follow the rules, the election board will kick you off. In this case, uh, you used to need 25,000 signatures, 25,000 signatures to run as an independent uh, statewide office. But earlier this year, a Libertarian Party, I believe it was, went to federal court and successfully argued, convinced a judge to lower that standard to 2,500 on the grounds that it was very difficult to gather 25,000 good signatures in the middle of pandemic. I think we'll all agree that is a convincing argument. Now, something else you should know about me. Ordinarily, I'm a champion of ballot access. I've written written dozens of columns down through the years calling on the state and the city to throw away all ballot access rules and pretty much let anyone run. It's the libertarian in me. Plus, I've chronicled so many cases down through the years of heavy-handed bullying by Democratic operatives in the city of Chicago against wannabe aldermanic candidates want to be Green Party uh, state legislative candidates, and I'm instinctively drawn to support the underdog in such ventures. And so as as a result, I prided myself. I was very proud that I was a ballot access champion. Well, folks, I have a confession to make. Despite all those articles, despite all that advocacy, despite all the arguments I used to get uh, with the uh, Fritz Kagey, remember that D when he I was always battling uh, oh, Fritz Kagey supporters. Let's not get behalf. that going again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> for county assessor, I was saying you're mean to Andrea Rayla. Oh God, the Kagey people hated me for that one. Anyway. Despite all that, I have a confession to make that'll drive the Fritz Kagey people crazy. I hope they knock Kanye off the ballot. Yes, D! I hope they successfully kick Kanye off the ballot. And here's the reason why. The most paramount thing in this election is to defeat Donald Trump. I think that's the top goal. That's the way I look at it. And any vote for Kanye is potentially a vote that might have gone for Biden. And I realize this is a long shot, would reduce the number of Biden votes in the state of Illinois to potentially allow Donald Trump to capture Illinois. All right. I know it's extreme long shot. All right. But 
I know a few people, and I will not name them, who have already told me, they've already confided privately, that's why I'm not naming them, that they intend to vote for Kanye West because they cannot stand Joe Biden. Okay? I'm not naming them. Is that me? (laughs) I was just joking. You got to know when I'm joking and I'm serious. I what? You know what? You're not going to get me to name him. No way. Uh-uh. You could say, is that me? But I'm not going to name him. That was him. a joke. So let me just say this. Just to keep the, those people, those unnamed people, they're not being named, okay? Seriously, I was joking. From even having the possibility to vote for Kanye West and possibly, and I realize it's a long shot, Okay, and uh, possibly take Illinois from the Biden column and put it in the Trump column. I'm saying, go get them, Democrats, kick them off the ballot. Well, Kanye's going to be so mad at me that he's going to send. I hope he sends out a tweet. Wouldn't that be great? F the Benny J show. All right, man. And by the way, I have the same attitude toward Willie Wilson. Oh, Willie, I know you're going to get mad at me. Willie Wilson running for uh, Senate. And the Democratic incumbent is Richard Durbin. Uh, the Republican challenger is Mark Curran. And it's possible. Possible, D. And I know it's a long shot. It's possible that Willie Wilson could siphon off just enough votes from Dick Durbin to enable Mark Curran to win. And it's really important. We haven't really talked a lot about this on the show in great detail. But it's really important for the Democrats to take back the Senate because Mitch McConnell is able to stifle any thing remotely resembling a progressive uh, bill in the Senate block uh, judges from being good Democratic judges uh, from getting uh, approved. Uh, And he has tremendous power to control the budget and taxation. So I think it's really important for Democrats to take the Senate. And so I don't want anything that could possibly get in that way. So I am hoping that Willie Wilson is bounced from the ballot as well. And I know what you're going to say out there. I can hear you right now. I can hear the rumblings of discontent emerging. You're going to say, Ben, you're a hypocrite. Ben, you have two standards. Ben, you practice, you say one thing and practice something else. Ben, seriously, I was joking. I'm not voting for (laughs) Kanye West. I am not saying who the person was. You can try, 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 and I won't break that confidence, okay? (laughs) But here's Dennis trying to confess. No, not going to say. Anyway. Yeah, so I do practice one thing and preach another. You're absolutely correct, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, I am definitely being inconsistent on this. And yes, somewhere Fritz Kagi right now is going, damn that, Ben. Why didn't he have the same attitude about Andrea Rayla? Well, let me just say this. If it's any justification, which I don't think it is, desperate times require desperate measures. And I think even Fritz Kagi would agree with me that defeating Donald Trump is exceedingly important and getting uh, the Senate is also important. So I think even Fritz Kagi will agree with me or more likely it would be even Andrea Rayla would agree with me. Most likely neither one would agree with me. Anyway, as far as Willie Wilson, who has been on my show uh, when he was running for mayor, I'd just like to say this, you know, uh, Willie, <clears throat> just want to point out, 
you have been known to talk on both sides of this issue. Right now, you're a champion of ballot access and you're upset because the Democrats are trying to knock you off. But let me remind you that you were in court you were at the board of the Chicago Board of Election Commission, I should say, trying to knock Jamal Green and Neil Sells Griffin off the ballot back in that mayoral election of 2019. Oh, you think I forgot that? You had Ricky Hendon, my dear friend, Ricky Hendon in court, tying them all up in all kinds of technicalities, arguing up is down and down is up and here is there and there is here until poor Jamal Green got so upset. I think he almost took a sway at Ricky. It was like they almost had a fight over this one, D. So, you know, Willie, (laughs) I'm just being like you. I absolutely, positively believe in complete and total ballot access, except when I don't. We've got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here talking Trump, 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 and Trump, and a little William Barr as well. Talking about William Barr's appearance. (laughs) I tell you what. I've already been talking to Jim Coogan about this, or at least texting back and forth. It's clear that William Barr is the brains of the Trump operation for what it's worth. Uh, his performance yesterday show he's perhaps the most skillful uh, Trump operative. Guy. Let me just read you what Jimmy Coogan said. Some great stuff from uh, young Mr. Coogan. Uh, uh, Barr is a devious operator. He's mastered the public art of deflection and appearing benign, and he's, inca- and he's capable of strategic thinking. Trump isn't capable of any of these things. I absolutely positively agree with Jim Coogan. And so I remember yesterday, D, I said, if uh, I'm willing to make a swap, uh, so in other words, I would say uh, Michael Madigan, I would swap Michael Madigan stepping down for Donald Trump stepping down. You know what? I'm going to make a compromise to the Republicans, D. I'm going to make a compromise. I'll say, all right, I'll let you keep Trump if William Barr steps down. There you go. There's my compromise. Madigan for Barr. So I'll throw that out to Monroe, see what he has to say. Uh, and But before we get to Monroe, on all the national talk, we have the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. D, with the news. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Not voting for Kanye West. <laughs> If DMX were running, on the other hand, also, uh, before we go any further, I uh, just want to get it clear out in the air here. Uh, did Ricky Hinden really take a swing at Jamal Green? I don't think it was Ricky who took the swing at Jamal Green. I think it was the other way around. Jamal oh. got so upset with Ricky Hendon. Oh, or he okay. To, I, don't, I do not, I can't recall if fists were flying, but it was, it was pretty testy there. We're like TMZ <laughs> today here, dude, all right? Starting Ricky rumors. Hendon is, Ricky Hendon is the master of kicking people off the bat. He has gotten so many people upset with him uh, down through the years uh, because he's always maneuvering. To, he's using his, his uh, knowledge of election law to get people booted off the ballot, or he's fighting like hell to get Willie Wilson on the ballot. So, you know, he's like, he'll go either way. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very strategic today, D. You know what I'm saying? So, sorry, Kanye. Love the birthday party as a name. But now that you're running as an independent, no reason to have you on the ticket. Boom. Get him off the ballot. All right. What's the news, young man? Local news. We got a lot of it. So We got to get down to business. You're damn right, Bob Diver. I hope you're all ready to find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Surprise, surprise. Our Illinois governor is at the Thompson Center this afternoon. He loves the Thompson Center, everybody. Today, J.B. Pritzker delivered a COVID-19 
18 update at noon. Shout out to the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. The one, the only, Rich Miller. He has the details of what went down here. Uh, let's run through it real quick here, Ben. First topic, high school sports. He mentioned it on a Tuesday show. Here's the quote from Pritzker. Quote, my administration is releasing new guidance restricting youth and adult recreational organized sports in Illinois. That includes school-based sports such as those governing by the IHSA and IES travel clubs, private leagues, recreational leagues, and sports centers, and park district sports programs, just to name a few. In the array of examples, we have worked in consultation with the governing bodies of many of these organized sports programs and collectively. Uh, We hope that when metrics and risks improve measurably, we will be able to restart the sports. I want to be clear that the restrictions issued today do not include professional sports leagues or collegiate level sports yeah we uh, i don't know how listen if you are following in any way what's going on in baseball i don't know how you can have uh, competitive sports right now uh, the marlins the florida marlins baseball team is in lockdown i think 14 or 15 members of the team uh, are covid positive uh, and now they're worried that they might have transmitted it to the Philadelphia Phillies, the team that they were playing. And so uh, I think the Phillies are locked down. The baseball is like it's sort of in the balance as to whether they'll even go on with the season, which is really tough on my beloved Cub fans, friends who are so excited because the Cubs are four and one. Finally, the Cubs are looking good. No season. God damn, they COVID. Uh, so I don't know how you're going to uh, have a high school a sports season in the middle of all this. I really don't. Uh, and, you know, basketball, NBA is a little different. That's kicking up. Uh, they're, they're doing it at a central location in Florida uh, in, in the bubble as they uh, – and they're very – oh, my God. I, mean, I don't know if you've been following this stuff, D, but if, if a player leaves the bubble, he has to uh, go into quarantine when he returns to the bubble. You have to have an excused absence if you leave the bubble. Uh, Lou Williams got in trouble because he left the bubble. Lou Williams as a guard for the Clippers. He left the bubble to go to his grandfather's funeral and then was photographed at a strip club in Atlanta. And, you know, he had a 10 days in the quarantine cooler for that. Uh, So, yeah, it's unless you're going to put all the athletes in a bubble, I don't know how you're going to have a sports uh, season this fall. Next topic, schools. Quote, I think each school is trying to set plans for their school. I've said all along here that the ISBE has been putting out guidance to make sure that there are some basic requirements like masking in schools that are adhered to. But because each school is so much different, they're different campuses. They're differently configured buildings, different numbers of people in a building per square foot. We really want those schools to make decisions for themselves, but there's no doubt about it. I'm watching very closely. If the numbers continue to rise, you know we're moving on. Regions, if they trip the 8% metric or the other metrics that we've set out to try to put mitigations in place and we're watching carefully about schools and whether or not you know they're opening and doing the right thing. Opening safely, if particularly concerned about school districts that are talking about opening without any masks, which is of course against the rules in the state of Illinois. It's also unsafe and unhealthy for not just the kids, but also the teachers, the administration, the professionals, and the families who come to school often several times a week. Yeah, I don't know how uh, he's going to uh, oversee a safe opening of schools. As Dennis pointed out when he was downstate a couple of weeks ago, uh, a lot of people downstate aren't wearing masks. They don't believe that uh, the pandemic is a serious health threat. I, I 
I doubt, D, based on your reporting from what you saw uh, when you were downstate, including the Pritzker suck signs, <laughs> that people will be following Pritzker's orders on, on this uh, on this front. So I, I have tremendous sympathy for Pritzker, the predicament he's in. I've said that many times because uh, clearly uh, he's ruling over a divided state. And uh, so I, I don't know. D, I don't think anybody's going to pay attention to him downstate. And uh, here in Chicago, people are very concerned and worried uh, about uh, getting COVID. I don't know if the CPS can open for that reason alone. You know, I mean, uh, I'm so scared. I mean, you know me, D. I'm stuck here in the attic. I won't go out except for night. I walk at night. I sneak out of my house. You know, I would, I kick Dennis out. You can't come in here anymore. I'm too, you, you were downstate. Quarantine Dennis, poor guy, stuck in his apartment. Oh, Google meet me. Get out of my face. You look uh, actually like you're really thriving, Dan. Just saying, you know, I've never seen you so happy. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt today, ladies and gentlemen. No, he's not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know, D. I'm telling you right now, I don't believe Chicago Public Schools uh, will open in September. And um, downstate, you know all the rules are off downstate because – they just don't believe it, D. They don't believe this thing is for real. It's two separate universes in the state of Illinois. Next topic, quarantining when traveling out of state. Rich Miller, uh, you're the man. Subscribe to Capital Facts right now. F-A-X, like a fax machine. He asked, uh, Pritzker was asked yet again why he wouldn't institute travel quarantines like the mayor did recently. More on that in moments, by the way. Pritzker said, quote, I do think this is exactly the example of why we needed national mandates, why we needed a national strategy around COVID-19. Because you can't, there's no way to protect a border. You know we have half the positivity rate of some of our neighbors and a third of others. And I would like very much to, you know, to have Illinois be, you know, the lowest in the nation. <laughs> That's what it Why says. Why do you knows on that one, huh, Dave? Why do you knows? You know? You know what I'm saying? Huh? Huh? We, remember the reporter who asked Pritzker, why is just quarantine in Chicago and Cook County? Boy, that was ancient history. Remember that, Dave? Oh, Some yeah. reporter downstate. Rich Miller took that guy to task. The attic He's days. Shredded that guy. Well, I'm still in the attic. Right. I just want to say the attic days not ended for some of us. Hey, you interrupted uh, the governor. I'd also like uh, to have the whole sorry. nation that their positivity rates go down. So I just don't think it's practical. And so I haven't imposed that. But I will adhere to that rule because I live in the city of Chicago. What rule is he adhering to? The thing I just read, I'd also like to have the whole uh, nation that their positivity rates go down. So I just don't think it's practical. And so I have. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember when Pritzker's, what is his family went up to Wisconsin to go to the farm. Remember that? I wasn't so sympathetic to him when that happened. You know, you're hey, JB. I'm saying you're a little Ben like me with the, you know, I'm a libertarian. Everybody should be in the ballot, uh, except when it could uh, help elect Donald Trump. Then kick off Kanye. All right. A little inconsistent there. And I think JB a little inconsistent with that. Letting his family, was it a horse farm or something? Yeah, goes, horse well, farm. It was a working farm. <laughs> what? It's not like you guys are picking field, the fields or something. No, 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 no. You don't have to go to Wisconsin. And now, no, I don't want to get ahead of the news updates that Dennis has, but Wisconsin plays in the one of these news updates. That's called the tease, D. Nice. Great tease. Thank you. Thank you're God. a pro. What are these things that we're wearing on our head right now? Pockets. Okay, you're embarrassing us. <laughs> They're called cans, man. Uh, which, one, which one is called the bucket? Nothing is called the bucket. 
Okay. All right. Oh, well, okay. Uh, Dennis is wearing some cans, ladies and gentlemen. Dennis is a huge Kanye West fan, by the way. No, I'm not really. All right. Uh, the final topic from Pritzker's press briefing today. Hello? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. The final topic from Pritzker's press briefing today, Madigan Gate. All right. Oh, he, he actually weighed in on Madigan. Yeah. I missed this. Here's the quote from Pritzker. A habit, a habit, in three, two, <laughs> one. All right. Pritzker said, well, let me begin by saying that we Uh, there is genuinely a problem that needs to be addressed with ethics legislation in the state. No doubt about it. And I've been very clear about the many pieces of that legislation that I will be okay. I put those out months ago. In fact, you've seen, for example, the this revolving door where people are in the legislature one day and they flip around and become a lobbyist or a consultant the next day for Commonwealth Edison or somebody else. So we need to move on ethics legislation, no doubt about it. In addition to that, I would say I am concerned overall that there has been a history in Illinois among among Republicans and among Democrats of corruption to address this. There's just no doubt. I think there's cynicism that abounds among voters and rightfully so when you hear about what Commonwealth Edison did and what anybody that was engaged may have done. So those are things that I worry about all the time and I will pay very close attention to. I, okay. I'm sorry. All right. Enough with the lab. You're interrupting the governor again. Sorry, governor, but this is a habit habit. He continues. I think that it affects the politics. I think that the swamp in Washington, D.C. that the president has created is another thing that plays a role in the cynicism of people in Illinois. I think we've got to address that one, too. Wait, time out. I thought Donald Trump was draining the swamp. Now he's creating. I'm all mixed up. And I thought we were Look. talking about Madigan. Look, the re- <laughs> it's true. When in doubt, this when in doubt, change the subject because I think we can all agree that there's plenty of corruption on in both parties. Okay, so I I've noticed a tendency just pointing out here that Republicans uh, in the state of Illinois never ever ever talk about corruption. Uh, or tyrannical uh, overreach when it has to do with a certain Donald John Trump. Uh, conversely, uh, Democrats tend not to talk about corruption and tyrannical overreach when it has to do with people like Michael Joseph Madigan or, uh, in the case of overreach, Lori Lightfoot in the, in, in, in the city, the city D of Chicago. Okay. Right, that was last so, week's shows. So, so there is that tendency not to see or hear anything bad that your side is doing. And that said, I do not believe we need new laws. I don't believe the problem is that we need new laws. I've said this many times. We all know that it is definitely unethical for Commonwealth Edison to be openly putting on on the payroll or on their boards or doling out contracts to cronies of Michael Joseph Madigan. We all know that, D. I don't know why we need, well, we need a law. There's no law. We need a new law. For, no, we all know that's unethical. So, yes, but, you know, Pritzker is like a lot of Democrats, and it's a really tricky situation. Michael Madigan is not stepping down. Michael Madigan is still the master, the maestro of the General Assembly. He's in control. And until he leaves, you got to assume that he's going to be around for a while. So you don't want to do anything that offends him. And plus, D, I'm torn on this front because I really appreciate 
what Michael Madigan did in the fight against Bruce Rauner. So I, I feel like almost when I say he should step down, I'm not showing enough gratitude to him for you know, the strong stand he took against Rauner, because I always thought that Mayor Rahm and John Cullerton, the president of the Senate, would have cut out, would have just, you know, uh, just betrayed unions and collective bargaining rights in a heartbeat if they could cut a deal with uh, Rauner. So I appreciate Madigan for doing that. I really do. But uh, this Commonwealth Edison thing is so freaking sleazy. I think he should step down. So, but... I am not in the state house, D, so it's not up to me. And I, you know, it's easy for me to say. Uh, it's another thing if I'm, let's say, Will Gazzardi, a state representative, you know. And a tall drink of water. And you got to depend on. <laughs> I'm sure Will is in the, uh, well, on the one hand, this, on the other hand, that uh, category. Much like J.B. Pritzker. They're going to start talking about Trump. Well, what do you think about Michael Joseph Madigan and Commonwealth Edison? Well, uh, it's terrible. I, that news I've seen in the paper, but, you know, if he, uh, what about Trump? Oh, okay. Hey, remember Rauner? Yay for our teachers. <laughs> Yay for our teachers. Oh, man, my beloved Democratic Party. Once again, you let me down. Once again, D, I've been loyal to these people my whole adult life. I've been voting Democrat, Okay. I just gave an appeal to knock Kanye West off the ballot. Threw my sacred principles out the window. Hold on. I'm opening the window. There they go. Oh, sacred hey. principles out the window. Oh, my God. They landed on the porta potty. Oh, gross. Sorry about that. Sick. I, I was going to go grab it, but. <laughs> Threw my sacred principles out the window. That's how much I want Donald Trump to uh, to lose. And I do this for the Democrats year in and year out. And what do they do, D, uh, in a, to reward my years of loyalty? Cut deals with Commonwealth Edison. Ah! My, you know what? My dear friend, Sam Holloway, who lives down the street from me. I see him walking the dog from time to time. Uh, he'll never vote Democrat. He is such a Green Party stalwart. No, we're going to continue. Like, Sorry about that. Whoa. His typical first words out of his mouth are, I told you so. I think he's right, but I'm still a Democrat. What can I do? What yeah. can I say? Oh, nice. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's All right. Size. Let's talk Chicago news. We forgot Ooh. to mention this on Tuesday's show. And now there are three, three Chicago schools who have voted to get rid of their school police officers. The following comes from Block Club Chicago and Mina Bloom on Monday evening after a non-binding vote in two community forums. Members of Roberto Clemente Community Academy's local school council has formally removed school officers from their campus. The nine to one vote Monday night means the Humboldt Park High School is now the third Chicago school to Eliminate school resource officers. Ben Jarofsky for 10 trivia points. Can you name the other two Chicago schools? Unbelievable. And this is a really a cry for help of how I've cluttered my brain with all sorts of extraneous information. Yes. And I can't believe I remember this. I'm doing this off the Benito RS okay. is one and uh, Northside College Prep is the other. That's correct. Well, I'm stunned. Even I am stunned. Me. You know, and I, and I can't remember. This is an embarrassment. We talked yesterday with Sergio about that test that Trump is so proud of, and he keeps reciting the words. I can't recite the words. Oh, Trump will be like, oh, I'm smarter. I'm smarter than Ben. It's, I know that uh, uh, TV is one of the words 
But nonetheless, I can name the three schools. I, the brain works in mysterious. Can you can you name the the, the words that Trump uttered? Dave? Can you name them? Hmm? Remember um, that the diagnostic test? Can you name them? Okay. <laughs> Is that because you forgot them or because you weren't paying attention? After the vote, the principal of Roberto Clemente oh, said... Oh, not even answering the question. Okay. <laughs> After the vote, the principal of Roberto Clemente said that there is more work to be done to ensure students are safe on campus and staff are able to resolve conflicts without police. Teacher David Ramirez and others said Clemente needs more social workers, counselors, and nurses. All right. One more time, ladies and gentlemen. I can't... I can't say this enough. Uh, each time we do these stories, this is just so frustrating about how politics plays out in Chicago. They're not even giving these local school councils a choice. It's not as though they're going to swap their two police officers for money that enable them to hire a social worker. It's either keep the police officers or remove the police officers. So it's not like they're gaining something substantive for voting to oust the police officers. And at the moment, those police officers' salaries are being paid for with money that you the citizens of Chicago turn over to the Board of Education uh, to fund the schools. So you give your money to the schools and the school gives its money to the police department. That's budget budgeting in the city of Chicago. I don't know how that's transparent. I don't know how that's reform. I don't know how that's justifiable, but that is how things happen in the city of Chicago. And I've noticed a trendy. Hmm. I've noticed a trend. It's not really a trend. It's only two schools. So I don't know if that's a trend. So I hesitate to call it. Here, I'm already backing out of what I was about to say. Okay? I even said it. I'm already backing out. I'm like a Democrat with, with when it comes to Michael Madigan. Well, you know, uh, he, it's, it's very cons- I'm very concerned about this. By the way, did you hear about Trump? Oh, God, he's horrible. Oh, Republicans, don't act like you don't do it. There's not a Republican out there who will say, you go on and on. This is an outrageous situation in Springfield with Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, What about Trump? I cannot tell you how upset I am with Michael Madigan. Anyway, uh, the trend I've noticed, which is not really a trend, is that schools with large uh, numbers of uh, Hispanic or Latino kids have voted no. That's two schools. And my sense is it may be uh, tied to apprehension about... uh, uh, the status of their kids, maybe the pol- worried that the police might act as sort of agents of the immigration service. I don't know. It's just, I'm wondering, I haven't seen that uh, uh, observation in the public yet, but I have noticed that Clemente, which has a large number of Hispanic kids and Juarez, which has a large number as well, uh, both voted no. And uh, North Park College, I want to say about 20% or so. So just a thought to put out there, Dean. Which high school will vote to remove their police officers next? You're going to have to wait to find out. (laughs) That's a tease, pal. All right. Um, Before we move on here, Kyle says uh, on the live stream chat, Ben's camo wearing flip flop wearing neighbor picks up Ben's principles from the next uh, to the porta potty in the alley below, thereby hanging Ben's city club certificate above their mantle. Yeah, you can have it. He's out there and he uh, take the principles, put them on your wall. So, uh, you know, sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry, Kanye. 
off the ballot. Yeah, uh-uh. I'm not going to bat for Kanye to get on the ballot. D. Sorry. I know some of my Kanye West loving fans out there and listeners, they love Kanye West, but I'm not going to bat for him. Mm-mm-mm. And Willie, Willie Wilson, you're a great guest when you come on the show, but sorry, my attitude about you on the ballot against Richard Durman is much like your attitude toward Jamal Green on the ballot against you. Uh-uh. Just throwing it out there. Moving on. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. When I was a kid, I loved the Batman TV show. Okay, that's random, but sure. (laughs) I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that one. Hey, you know. Can you do the Batman theme song from the TV show, T? Can I? I mean, I I know it, but I don't want to do it. Come on. Come on. Do it. Batman. 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 Do you know the X-rated version of that song? We're not gonna sing. Okay, but now it's in my head. I can hear it. Well, Monroe Monroe Anderson can sing it later. He's got a filthy (laughs) mouth, and I'm sure he'd love to do it. All right. Mayor Lightfoot was at the DuSable Museum's Roundhouse Courtyard this morning to announce a new campaign to encourage participation in the 2020 U.S. Census. Now, the last time the mayor held a public census discussion, we were introduced to the Census Cowboy. And I'm happy to report I'm calling out the Census Cowboy. Yeah! I'm the guy with the cowboy hat. Remember the guy, uh, we haven't done that in a while, uh, at the ROM, when ROM won. It's, I think it was his first election you hear in the background. Oh. Yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think the same guy was at a Rounder event. Remember the, the same guy? No, it was Genie Ives. Oh, <laughs> Hell yeah. I believe the quote was. Oh, God, Genie Ives. If you see the census cowboy coming to your neighborhood, that's not a good thing. That means you got to step up and do your part and make sure that you fill out the census. He's going to be going to the 10 communities across Chicago that have the lowest census response rate. And it's time to giddy up. Let's do this, Chicago. Let's make the census cowboy proud. How stupid. So today's press conference, (laughs) a little more serious than the uh, fake cowboy riding a horse trying to tell you to vote. We have the audio. Like to hear it. Here it goes. Take it away, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. When we think about the most powerful levers of our democracy, we think of the vote, free speech, organizing, and equal protection under law. And this year, in this important moment, We also have a unique opportunity to have our voices heard collectively through the census. I'm with uh, Lori Lightfoot on this one, 100%, as everybody knows. But, you know, there's so much disillusionment uh, with the whole process, D. And the fact that Chicago and so many cities are scrambling to get people to participate in the census just shows this is like a larger indication of the alienation that so many people feel. Uh, from government and from uh, just, well, you can take it to uh, uh, elections as well. And one of the reasons, now I'm going to go on a tangent here, D, but one of the reasons, by the way, is there any more fo- uh, Lori Lightfoot comments on this before yep. I launch in this? Oh, there are? Yes, one more, right. one more. Let me if hear it. If you don't fill it out, you get left out. If you are not counted, you give your power, you give your voice away to someone else. 
That's because democracy at its core is about more than just being heard. It's about being counted and continuing to be counted in any way we can. For us to be represented, you need to be counted. For us to receive our rightful share of federal funding, you need to be counted. Over the past few months, we've done everything under the sun to make sure that that happens. Yes, uh, she's correct when she says if you want to receive your rightful share of federal funding, uh, you have to be counted. The more people live in Chicago, the more federal dollars will be allocated here uh, through various formulas. Uh, there's also a very important principle that she didn't allude to. That's why I was waiting to, to see if she was going to mention it. And that uh, the number of people who live in a state uh, in, uh, res is the indicator for how many congressional seats that it gets. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it, it determines how many congressional seats you can get. And this is this just really gnaws at me because the hypocrisy of all this. So let me get at it a little bit. Uh, so, for instance, the, you know, if uh, if we discover we have the that the census pop the population in Illinois has fallen uh, since uh, 2010, we will lose congressional seats in the state of Illinois if it's fallen relative to all the other states. And that's because there's a principle of one man or one woman of, of for vote. So, in other words, one district can't have more people in it than any other district, because that means a district that has fewer people will essentially have a greater vote. The residents there, the, the, the people who live there, the voters there will have a greater say, if you will because there's fewer of them per congressperson. And that's like a fundamental issue uh, in dem democracy in this country. That's why every year there's a, they re reapportion the legislative maps, the city council, they're going to redo the ward maps uh, statewide. They're going to redo the uh, general, the state Senate maps and the House of Representatives uh, in the state house uh, and the same thing with Congress. So, but then, we turn right around and we take that principle and throw it out the window with the Electoral College. And this really, it's like, I, I don't understand why we put up with this. Well, I understand why Republicans uh, put up with it, because it benefits them. It's the reason why Donald Trump is the president right now. It's the reason why George Bush got to be the president in 2020. And But this is a conversation I've had many times with David Ferris. We, why the Democratic Party has not from the moment they lost in 2020 to George Bush, begun a campaign to eradicate the Electoral College and shift our country uh, to direct vote for determining who the president is. I do not understand. It's typical Democratic Party. Well, I, I don't know what it's. I don't want it. What do we say? Cowardice. They drop the ball. They're afraid of taking a strong stand. They um, maybe they like the system the way it is. The powers that be in the. I know some of my more lefty listeners will say, "Well, man, they do pretty well with the system as it now stands." So maybe it's in their best interest uh, to keep it going the way it is. But uh, it it's it completely violates the whole principle of one man, one vote. And here we are 
going through this exercise, D, which we do every 10 years or so. Lori Lightfoot is the one making the appeal now. 10 years ago, I think it was would have been a Rahm Emanuel. Oh, my God, it was Rahm Emanuel. 10 years before that, it was Richie Daly. They were mayors making the appeal, fill out your census form. The more forms you fill out, the more people will be officially recognized, live in the city of Chicago, the more federal dollars we'll get, the more congressional districts we're going to get. They keep saying that year in and year out when it comes to electoral college. We'll let the Republicans win. We're not going to do anything to change that. David Ferris is absolutely correct. Uh, Republicans fight hard. They fight dirty. And Democrats, more often than not, roll over. And that's why I'm, D, I'm going to fight dirty like a Republican. And I'm going to say, knock Kanye West off the ballot and knock Willie Wilson off the ballot as well. I think it's time that Democrats played the game to win as opposed to playing the game to what? Winning good lobbyist jobs or whatever, winning contracts, however they play the game. So anyway, that's when I hear Lori Lightfoot talk about the census day, it reminds me of Electoral College. Shout out to Jay Marie on the live stream chat. She asks, I want someone, anyone to tell me at least one project a South or West Side neighborhood got from the census info. And then she says, actually, any project in Chicago. I'm with you 100% on that one, Jay Marie. Uh, I think what they're talking about is an apportionment for things like uh, educational funds or housing funds. But your point is a good one. Now, now I'm going to launch in to uh, a rant about the inequities that we confront in the city. And I, there's part of the problem is that our system of taxation uh, favors the well-to-do so that there's less money coming from the feds relative to uh, like 30 or 40 years ago to cities like Chicago. And then, you like that, D? It's good. Cities. That's good. Thank you. Really working on that, D. Really got issues with that one. And then, Jay Marie, there's how we spend the money that we have here in Chicago. And as far as I can see, when it comes to its own disposable Amounts of cash, the city of Chicago spends most of the money that's intended for poor communities. They spend it in wealthy communities. You know, I'm talking about the TIP program. And uh, it, it was, you know, I was talking to Mick Dumkey, a fellow geek about this. We were talking before TIS. We were talking oh, about what the enterprise geek. zones. <laughs> Can you imagine two people? Jay Marie, you would appreciate this. 15, 20 minutes about how unfair the Enterprise Zone program was from the 1990s. <laughs> that's a cry for help. But you're absolutely correct. So it's not. So, yeah, that's that that feeds the cynicism because local officials are saying, fill out your census form. It means more power. And then when the money comes here, they don't spend it equitably. Or for instance, they'll spend school money, money that we give them for the schools, they'll spend it on police. I say, if the schools wanna have police in there, that's their prerogative. I stand by with them. But the police should pay for it, not the schools. So, Jay Marie, you raise a very good point. And, Jay Marie, you are correct as well. This could be Ben's next article in the Chicago Reader. Just saying. <laughs> it's, did she say that? Yeah. yeah, it probably will be. My I've written it, Jay Marie, I got to tell you. You know, it's like batting my head against the wall. Oh, that hurts. Here, I'll do it again. I've written it so many times. Every now and then I'll say something like, God, if the 
Black Lives Matter movement ever discovers the TIF program. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Just this, this, the sheer unfairness of it all. Yeah. And I keep pounding me. Hold on, D, one more time. Oh, yeah. oh, please, th- don't do that. <laughs> we need our host to survive here. Just give me an hour more, please. All right. Gee, I've already thrown my principles out the window, which the next door neighbor has picked up. Now I'm hitting my head against the wall. Uh, it's a I, rough day for me today. I'm glad I got out of that attic. All right. Um, now, we do tend to give the mayor a hard time here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. But Mayor Lightfoot did deliver a powerful message during today's press briefing. Listen, as the mayor gives a hot jab to President Donald Trump. In doing so, it follows that a true democracy must also be, by definition, a full democracy. And that denying those rights to any part of our society not only denies the fullness of democracy, but rejects our shared humanity and makes us the lesser for it. But democracy's argument demands something from us as well. And that, my friends, is engagement. Engagement with our public institutions. Engagement with our elected officials, with the public dialogue, with the facts, with reality. And above all else, engagement with each other. Passionate, robust engagement with each other, but respectful engagement. I'm saying all of this because we are meeting at a moment when our democracy is under siege from multiple directions. To those who think I'm referring to President Trump and his brazen corruption and attack on our institutions, I'll save you this suspense. I am. (laughs) Got him. Uh, yeah, you know, I love it when our uh, politicians in the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago go after Donnie Trump. Uh, he's a figure well worth going after. And I always like to point out, oh, God, D. Oh, no, here I go, Mr. Contrarian. Here he goes again. Already threw my principles out the window. Already hit my head against the wall. But let me just say this, D. You know, Right now, many of the people, uh, our elected officials in the city, are very critical of Donald Trump. And Lori Lightfoot is certainly at the, the forefront in that parade. I mean, she's blasted Trump and she's she called his press secretary Karen. And, uh, you know, usually I'm cheering her. But by and large, and I can't help but point this out, by and large, in fact, Jay Marie, this could be another column. By and large, elected officials in the city of Chicago, including members of the Democratic Party, have been very nice that, that's my Donald Trump. Very nice. It's a very nice to Donald Trump. Donald Trump gave $50,000 campaign contribution to Mayor Rahm Emanuel or candidate uh, Rahm Emanuel. He was running for mayor. And guess what? When Mayor Rahm was the mayor, he allowed Donald Trump to put that hideous Trump sign on that building. It's absolutely become the symbol of everything that people or the vast majority of people in Chicago despise the most, I would say. That Trump sign, that was a gift from Mayor Rahm Emanuel. He didn't fight, rolled over, let him have it, okay? Uh, Ed Burke, chairman of the Finance Committee, one of the most powerful Democrats in the city of Chicago. Year after year was Donald Trump's property tax lawyer. He used his clout with the Cook County Assessor and the Board of Review to win property tax breaks for Donald Trump on his building with the hideous sign. And let me tell you, effectively, he was 
raising your taxes, ladies and gentlemen, because the less Donald Trump pays in property taxes on his building, the more you pay. So despite all the angry rhetoric right now, I would say that Democratic officials in Chicago have been pretty nice to Donald Trump uh, down through the years. In fact, so I'm going to make an appeal right now. Let's stop being so nice to Donald Trump. And how about forcing him to take that hideous sign off of his building? It's just... You know, if you could take the Columbus, I was thinking about this, D, if they could swoop in in the middle of the night and take the Columbus statue out, if Mayor Daley can swoop in in the middle of the night and rip up Meg's field, people are talking about that, even though it happened many years ago, how come we can't take the Trump sign off the Trump Tower? Just a thought. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I'm giving you that idea. You don't have to give me any credit for it. I already gave it to Fritz Kagey, the assessor. Boy, he's getting a lot of talk time. Uh, on this please show. don't. Let's just not go down that road again. <laughs> Kagey was like, oh, Ben, I'm such a busy guy. I don't have time to do that. I gave it to him. He could have run with it. He could have been a hero. I'm so busy. Okay. Well, Lori Lightfoot, you can do it. You could be a. People will love you. Well, okay. The 12% of Chicago that voted for Donald Trump will not like you. But they already don't like you because you took the, that's the Columbus statue people. They don't like you already. So what do you care? They're only 12%. The rest of the city will love you. So if you're going to take down the Columbus statue, I say next on the list, Trump sign on Trump Tower. That's my proposal for the day, D. And hey, way to not say shitty. All right. <laughs> oh, man, I put it in my head. That, that, I got to take it out of the head. All right, uh, we got one more story to go through here, then we'll uh, take a break and go to Monroe Anderson. Hey, if any of you in the Chicagoland area are planning to travel to Wisconsin in the near future uh, for a little getaway, well, our Chicago mayor has suggested that you stay the hell away from everyone for about two weeks. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune, and no, not John Cass, all right? I would assume... <laughs> I would assume that, that uh, this story would be on the front page, not the back. Am I right, Ben? Oh, that, oh, that, no, that's so mean, but oh, pretty good one, D. <laughs> this comes from John Byrne, Gregory Pratt, and Robert McCoppin. The headline reads, City threatens fines for Chicagoans who don't self-quarantine upon return from Wisconsin. Up north, concerns are few. I don't think people are going to listen to it. Uh, the article reads here, Lightfoot's administration on Tuesday officially added Chicago's northern neighbor, Wisconsin, to the list of states considered risky enough because of the growth rate of COVID-19 cases to require self-quarantine once back in the city. That means starting this Friday, anyone who has spent more than 24 hours in Wisconsin should stay inside for two weeks upon getting to Chicago or risk a fine of $100 to $500 per day for violating the city's statute. City Health Commissioner Dr. Allison Arwadi urged those thinking of a trip to Wisconsin to reconsider. She said, quote, my recommendation would be, if possible, to think about changing some of those plans to staying closer to home, uh, to heading to Michigan, which has a much, much lower rate of COVID than Wisconsin does in terms of thinking about the main places where folks from Chicago do go. Awadi said on a Tuesday morning call with reporters, the state of Wisconsin has not even put a mask requirement in place and there's not a sign that they are turning their outbreak around. Our Wadi said the large number of commuters from Wisconsin who work in Chicago will be exempt from the strict quarantine rule, though they will be expected to only perform work tasks while in the city and not go out 
shopping or socializing in public. Confused yet, guys? Yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> Other exceptions are those coming here for medical treatment and those for whom, quote, self-quarantine is not possible, practicable, or advisable, according to the mayor's office. The order also does not apply to people who are at the airport for a connecting flight or are driving through the city on their way elsewhere. Included in the worker exemption are players for professional sports teams like the Chicago Cubs and White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers who have games scheduled against each other in their respective ballparks as part of Major League Baseball's virus-shortened 60-game season. Ben Jarofsky, does this plan seem, I don't know, impossible? Yes. And um, I'm not quite sure if this is just you know, like a political broadside at uh, a state of Wisconsin, or if they're really sincere about this. Although I do think, D, that this confrontation with Wisconsin points out the larger point is the need for an overall federal approach to the pandemic. And part of the reason why the country is so split when it comes to the pandemic, and we talked about this earlier, it's not just... Illinois and Wisconsin, it's the northern part of Illinois and the southern part of Illinois. And part of the reason uh, that there's this division is that we've had no consistent leadership from our federal government on this point. And Donald Trump, from the get-go, has been sending out a message that he doesn't believe the virus is a real health hazard, and he doesn't believe that people have to take precaution, and he doesn't believe that you have to wear masks, and he rooted on the protesters uh, in Michigan and Wisconsin uh, and other states, including Illinois. Liberate your states! He used it as a political tool to beat up on governors, Democratic governors, instead of working with them. And so now we have this situation Situation where a good chunk of the Republican Party does not believe that we have to do things like quarantine or wear masks. And it's so bizarre. We have such a different attitude about baseball players. They're shutting down uh, the baseball season, at least for the Marlins, uh, because they had, like, as I said earlier, like 14 or 15 members of the Marlins have tested positive. They're shutting it down. If Baseball had the same attitude toward its players that, let's say, Southern Illinois has toward its residents or the state of Wisconsin has toward its residents. They'd say, ah, you're not going to die. It's only old people who die. And once you get you get a little sick, once you're over it, you have your own immunity to it. So play on. It's just bizarre how the baseball is so cautious about its players and Wisconsin is so cavalier uh, about its residents. So I do think that this is the chickens coming home to roost for the state of Wisconsin. And I'll go back to this. The state of Wisconsin has a Democratic governor and a Republican legislative body. And that uh, they are a microcosm of the battle that's happening country in the in the country as a whole only reverse where we have let democratic legislators in congress and donald trump as the president tony evers the governor of wisconsin try to impose many of the same stay-at-home orders that donald uh, that jb has here in illinois 
But the uh, Republicans went to court. They got the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court, which is a majority of Republicans, to rule against Evers. And almost immediately, they opened up the bars. And people from Illinois flocked across the border to drink in those bars. Lord knows how much COVID was spread back and forth. No regard whatsoever uh, for public safety. And so, yeah, I understand why uh, Lori Lightfoot would say that Wisconsin's a bad neighbor because Wisconsin is a bad neighbor. Uh, but I do not know how they're going to enforce this. When I read the story, do you, I don't know if you saw the details of this. It's like they're going to f- track. This is their plan. So if, like if you report, if Dennis reports that he has COVID, they're going to track him and ask him, well, who, who, have, who, who have you been uh, in touch with? And you say, well, my good friend, Ben, uh, and he just came from Wisconsin. Oh, and then they look at investigate me. I didn't quarantine. S- what is it? Seven hundred dollar fine. That's gonna. Be, that's not. It's like you gotta. They want you to rat me out. Yeah, we're not friends see. anymore. If you do that, dude. And I don't have COVID. Yeah, no, it's just an example. I know, okay. I know. So I, I'm not quite sure how it's. I get symbolically. She wants to send a message uh, to Wisconsin, but I'm not sure how this thing is going to work out at all, dude. Yeah, uh, Chicago, Illinois, where snitches get prizes. <laughs> and, hey, Ben Jarofsky Show listeners get prizes, like our good friend Jay Marie. Uh, for those excellent comments you gave today, I give you two more Lori Lightfoot quotes. Yeah, that's awesome, right? Uh, we have her speaking on uh, this quarantine <laughs> traveling rule she's got going on. Uh, two clips here from the mayor. Let's hear them. Our goal, obviously, is not to penalize people, but to get them to, uh, to educate them into compliance. And that's what we're going to continue to do vigorously. Uh, particularly with uh, Wisconsin uh, that was added to the list. Uh, We've been working with uh, a number of different stakeholders, including employers who have employees that commute back and forth from Wisconsin um, to the city. Um, So we're going to continue to work with them uh, to make sure that they are doing everything they can to keep people safe. We are concerned about an uptick in cases. We're seeing that uh, primarily right now still in the 18 to 29 year old uh, category. So we've got to remain diligent so that we don't become like other areas of the country. No, we're going to continue working uh, with the governor and his team as well as IDPH uh, to make sure that we are providing supports uh, for residents here and we can continue to educate um, everyone into compliance. Oh, Lori Lightfoot. That's the serious Lori Lightfoot. Uh, that's that's uh, not the one with, with the guitar. Remember the guitar Lori Lightfoot? Yeah, uh, I miss you know, that Lori Lightfoot. Sort yeah, of. I, I like the guitar Lori Lightfoot. So, uh, yeah, listen, everyone's struggling in this pandemic. But I don't know how they're going to enforce that that uh, ban, that quarantine in Wisconsin. Don't travel. Hey, by the way, they, we voluntarily quarantine. Yeah. Should be like the Ben Jarofsky show. Dr. D is in his house right now as we speak. I'm looking at him. Yeah. And I'm not Got looking at shirt. him because he doesn't have a camera. What a boomer. What a boomer. He may have a camera, but I don't even want to go down that road trying to figure out if, he, if his computer has a camera. We, we just, uh, can we break the fourth wall one more time in the Ben Jarofsky? We love shattering the fourth wall. So I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, we have a lot of guests, a wide range of ages that come on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, <laughs> I've noticed the further we drift beyond, let's say, the age of 60 or 55, the more <laughs> caution and 
nervousness about uh, Google Meet. Uh, what is this thing? Uh. <laughs> and now, you know what? I, know, I never thought these words would come out of my mouth. Millennials, I get it. I understand your frustration with baby boomers. Oh, my God. They're like, these freaking baby boomers, could they be more clueless? Uh, but, but, uh, can we just use a regular phone? This Google Meet is, what is Google Meet? Uh, what does it require? What do I do? Yeah, the uh, hell with it. Just call me on the phone. Like, all you have to do is just click on it. That's all you have to do. Yeah, screw that. Just, can't you call me? I'm on my landline. The baby boomers, on my landline. I love you, baby boomers, as a whole, as a generation. You're, it's, you guys suck. We suck. Our generation, you know, politically speaking, is one of the worst. But individually, I love you. Some of my best friends are baby boomers. But man, oh man, when it comes to computers, can you just call me on the landline? And I know you don't want to name any names, but coming up next, legendary Chicago journalist. Monroe Anderson. That's right. Um, you can reach out to us at Benny J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. And send us an email, Show at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can send us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. Don't go anywhere, everybody. The Ben Jarofsky Show. We'll be right back, live from my apartment in Ben's attic.
read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. How's it going? We're back. Ben, you there? I am here. All right. I'm right waiting for Monroe, my favorite part of the show, where we reach out to our guests. And uh, now we do it to, uh, with Google Meet, which is... Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's more of just uh, we wait. I called Monroe Anderson, let him know I sent him an email. Uh, we were running a little bit behind, so... I'll take the blame for that. Uh, as we wait for Mr. Monroe Anderson, we want to remind everybody that there is a part two of the Ben Jarofsky show. Yes, it'll be available for download only at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. I believe we're talking with a feller who rides his bike quite a bit. Isn't that right, Ben? Ding, ding, ring, ring. Ding, ding, ring, ring. Yes, indeed. Mr. Bike. Uh, Dave Glowatz. But you know, uh, oh, there's Monroe. Oh, my goodness. Looking so handsome. Knowing how to use Google Meet. My COVID-19 hairstyle. (laughs) <laughs> but hey, download those. Uh, download our part two tonight. Both Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Mister Bike giving us a city council synopsis. Yes. Before I go, uh, turn it to Monroe. Just want to say I talked to Mister Bike. He's got a lot of clips from last week's city council meeting. We're going to break it down and do an analysis. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll have that conversation in about an hour and drop it at seven. Monroe, you look safe and sound and studios, studious folks. I can see Monroe. Uh, I have a camera and he's in his library and it's just got all these books in the background. Uh, and you're just and old, like ancient typewriters in the back and the background as well. It looks that thing at Underwood may have been new back in 1952. Uh, Monroe. Three, three out of the four I've actually written on typed on. What's the, the fourth? One I did not, but the okay. other three, um, I have a, a an IBM um, portable, uh, uh, well, electric back there, and I have a I also have a portable typewriter that I used when I was a reporter and mm-hmm. uh, traveling. All right. Well, uh, you also did a uh, Facebook update about what you want to talk about. I will now read it. I love uh, Monroe Anderson's Facebook updates. Uh, Generally, they're followed by uh, comments from various uh, Donald Trump supporters who are trying to outwit Monroe, usually unsuccessfully. Uh, And here's what you wrote. Do American lives matter to Donald John Trump? Apparently not. 
Did you know that he's talked with Vladimir Putin eight times since it was revealed that Russia has a bounty on American soldiers and never confronted him? Did you see the video with the false COVID-19 claims that Trump retweeted before Twitter and Facebook took it down? Ben Jarofsky and I will talk about Trump's death wish for Americans, Trump's stormtroopers in cities run by Democratic mayors, and Bill Barr's slippery testimony before Congress uh, yesterday afternoon. You can hear us on the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, Monroe, and to that I add, we're also going to talk about, if uh, I remember to raise it, uh, Senator Tom Cotton's bizarre uh, attitude about slavery. I don't know if you saw that. That upset. I was obsessing over that over the weekend. He, see, he said the founding fathers thought it was a necessary evil. We'll get into that. I think they're trying. The Republicans are trying to completely rewrite the history book on things like slavery. Oh, is, you know, Trump has given them license to be full-blown racist again, and they're taking them up on it. Yeah. But what's bizarre, okay, I was going to hold off on the discussion since, since we're having it. All right, so uh, Tom Cotton, it had to do with the six, uh, 1619 project of the New York Times. Yeah. And the New York Times. Pulitzer uh, Prize winning 1619 project. What did you say? The Pulitzer Prize winning 1619 project. Correct. The, the Pulitzer Year. Prize winning, uh, widely praised project. Uh, that uh, the New York Times ran as a, a series uh, last year. And uh, so the New York Times is some states are talking about putting it in the curriculum so that they could teach high schoolers and grammar schoolers uh, about our history. And slavery, Monroe, is part of our history. I hate to say it, but it's part of our history. So it, it yeah, should be incorporated. In the we teach it as the, the uh, war of northern aggression. They don't mention slavery that much. Well, uh, and to that point, Senator Tom Cotton of uh, Arkansas uh, denounced any federal money being spent or or state money, for that matter, being spent on the curriculum, said it's a biased study. Uh, And then this is the weird part to sort of justify his attitude toward the 1619 project. He invented this new uh, historical analysis with which the founding fathers considered slavery a necessary evil. Monroe, I'm not sure the founding fathers would, if you could ask them, would even say that slavery was evil. Right. That's the problem right, right there. It was good commerce. Yeah. Although in Hamilton, uh, Burr, Burr, Burr is, um, no, sorry, Jefferson mm-hmm. it, it, it is, uh, anyway, they talk about slavery and Hamilton makes the point that, um, you know, Jefferson, yeah, that Jefferson could talk about how much money the South was making off of their planning, but they weren't doing the planning that we know who does the planning. In other words, their, their their entire economy was built on on the slave economy, yeah. the, free, the free labor economy. That's how the South was richer than the North early on. Uh, by the way, Monroe Anderson has seen uh, Hamilton at least seven times. I would say he has a peculiar obsession uh, with the play Hamilton. I haven't seen it at all, but I plan to see it so we can have a discussion. That's why you don't know any better. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. Monroe, just do me a favor. Lean closer to the computer because you sound much better the closer you are to it. Okay, there I you go. Uh, I'll move it. Now you sound great. That's okay. absolutely great. All right. Okay. All right. So let's get into Trump. Uh, Tom Cotton, my, my fear... Am I on? My fear is that the yes, you're on. My fear is that the uh, the Republicans are going to radically attempt to radically change our attitudes about things so fundamental uh, as an opposition to slavery. I saw a similar thing with Mark Curran, who's running for Senate here in Illinois, trying to turn attitudes against John Lewis because John Lewis was a supporter of Planned Parenthood. Very bizarre attempt by the Republican Party, as opposed to confronting racism. They are desperate. The Republicans are desperate. The the George George turned everything around. He just he he just he just created his death. He just created another paradigm. And so things that weren't even considered for um, African Americans, for example, Black Lives Matter now has the support of the majority of Americans. It did not have it before the murder. Yeah. Um, all right, let's deal with your first point uh, first. Do Americans' li- lives matter to Donald John Trump? Apparently not. What are you getting at there? Okay, he's, he's, he's talked to Putin privately. Other presidents, when they talk to to um, chiefs of state of other countries. They have stenographers, they have their staff with them so that um, they can have intelligent, informed conversations. Trump has none of that. He doesn't want to record it. He doesn't want anybody to, to know what, what, what um, orders he's getting from his boss. So anyway, he's talked to Trump eight times and has never confronted him. He, he's, he, he admits to never on an Axios interview, which I have at the top of the thread, um, mm-hmm. he admits um, to never having confronted Putin about um, the bounties. In fact, um, apparently Putin told him it didn't happen, and he always believes Putin over our people, our intelligence forces. So, 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 so you have, and there's documentation that a couple of soldiers, military, were killed and got uh, for bounty money. Um, there may be others that we don't know about, and he doesn't care. Yeah, you know, any other president, whether it's been Obama or Bush or Clinton or Bush, it wouldn't matter. It would, they would not have just let this pass. You know, I mean, Trump is incredible. And then, of course, we have the the pandemic, the COVID-19 virus, which has taken the lives of 152 million, I mean, thousand, I think it is that now, the count is. It's definitely more than 150,000. Americans and he's he, he's trying to open the schools by by um, and in the process killing more Americans, many more Americans, because that's not what we need to be doing right now. Except in 
certain places. If 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 the, the virus is low there, it's not much of a virus, then you can you can um, carefully open public schools. But you open it in Miami or Texas right now, and you're asking for it. Or California, where they're always still raging, the virus is still raging, and you and you're asking for trouble mm-hmm. and deaths. Well, Monroe, uh, to this point, last week, there was like a redo with Trump on COVID-19 in an attempt by Trump. It was clearly motivated by political uh, factors. It was clearly motivated by advice that he was getting from his campaign because the articles that talked about it put it framed it this way. They go, well, Trump will have a new approach uh, to the pandemic. He's going to have regular uh, press briefings about the pandemic. He's not going to resist wearing a mask. Uh, he is going to cancel the speech, the Republican, the, the speech he was going to give at the Republican convention, the portion of it that was going to be in Jacksonville. Uh, and it's going to be a new, mature Donald Trump uh more scientific, and this is their hope, is that they could win over suburban voters. They put it this way, okay? It it wasn't like, oh, they decided that the old way of dealing with the pandemic, that it was a hoax, was leading to American deaths. No, 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 no. It was like, well, maybe if we repackage it, we can convince enough voters uh, to go for Trump. So my question to you is this. Do you think Donald Trump is capable if capable, uh, with the has the discipline to be the new scientific, love only the facts, wear your mask, Donald Trump. Do you think he has it within him to do that, Monroe? Can pigs fly? <laughs> no, 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 no. He 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 tweeted. He retweeted yesterday. This um, this fake COVID nineteen video, mm-hmm. where this this woman from Nigeria, doctor from Nigeria, was talking about hydrocodrin, I think, mm-hmm. cordrin, Anyway, the, the 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 drug that is that is good for if you have malaria, but it's not good for you if you have the virus. And Trump lied and said he took it for two weeks. And you know, she's pushing it and he pushing it. And all the scientists have said this will do you harm. It could kill you. You know, all t- kind of terrible things to you. He keeps pushing it. He has he what he keeps trying to do, he screwed up so royally on this this virus that he keeps trying to come up with excuses for why he sh- we should be doing what he has us doing. And it has very little to do with science now. So do you think it's that he lacks the di- discipline uh, to be a good scientist or that he despises that role so much, he despises so much having to wear a mask that he's incapable of well, overcoming like his hostility to it? He doesn't like wearing a mask. Um, because he apparently he thinks he's handsome, he's handsome, and there there are others who may have agreed with him thirty years ago, but not many now. Um, and 
he doesn't want to wear if he wears a mask he has to admit that the virus is there and it's going to be around for a while and he was wrong about calling it a hoax early on and he's been wrong about not uh, taking control charge of it but he's incapable he's not a leader so he's incapable of taking control he's incapable of leading in fact, you know, he, he keeps hoping for um, us to have a vaccine um, tomorrow, as far as he's concerned, which won't happen. But he wants a, vac- a vaccine. Problem is, if we got a vaccine, vaccine say, in September, he, his leadership would be incapable of making sure that it was properly dispensed because that takes work and planning and and uh, focus, and so that would be as screwed up as the, the as as the uh, COVID virus treatment has been so far. So we cannot trust our lives. The point I'm making is, do not trust your life with Trump. Mm-hmm. He tells you to take a drug, don't take it. Well. Monroe, I'm listening to you talk. Another uh, possibility uh, occurred to me, and that is this, that Donald Trump has done such a good job, and I have good job in quotes, of turning off uh, so many Republicans to the notion that uh, this is a serious pandemic and they have to worry about it. He's done such a good job of promoting the idea that this is a hoax spread by the Democrats to undermine his election that he can't get the Republicans. The Chinese worked on it too. Yeah. Everybody is at fault but Trump for some strange reason. Yeah, and it may be that attitude is hardened on the part of his Republican base so that he couldn't get him to move if he tried. I, I get your point that he doesn't care. He doesn't, his heart is definitely not into it. Yeah. But it, they may be like the resistance that Dennis saw when he went downstate to people wearing masks, uh, to the, the the opposition to Pritzker, the Pritzker suck signs. This is in the state of Illinois, yeah. but in the uh, Republican areas. It may be so strong that it would be politically detrimental to Donald Trump to try to reverse and become more of like a, you well, know. But, but as, as the, days, the days turn into weeks, and the weeks turn into months, there are going to be more and more deaths, and there are going to be fewer and fewer of those people. Those that don't die or get sick are going to have people who died or get, got sick from it. That's, that's the problem the Republicans have. For example, um, Louis Gobert, who I think is a representative from uh, Texas, mm-hmm. he's, he's one of the really crazy Texas Republican representatives. He, he has the virus. And yesterday at the bar hearing, he, he had a mask, but he didn't have it on a lot of time. He had to hang it around his neck. And he was supposed to travel to Texas with Trump today. And when they did the pre-testing before he could get on the plane, it was like, oops, can't go. So you know, 
they, they, the virus is like the Terminator. It doesn't care <laughs> where you are. It won't stop. What you, it doesn't care what your political affiliation is. It doesn't care whether you got good sense or no sense whatsoever. It's out to get you. And the only way you don't get got is if you wear a mask, wash your hand, and socially distance yourself. Mm. Well, uh, I'll just point out something. I, I I agree with everything you just said, but a lot of people don't see it that way. And I uh, there was a quote that I read yesterday from the newspaper. I actually talked about it with Sergio when he was on the show yesterday. A, uh, a student in Georgia, where they're opening up the high school, the local high school outside of Atlanta, said that only liberals get Rona. They call it Rona, the coronavirus. They call it Rona. Only liberals get Rona. And I blame that attitude on Donald Trump. Because he promoted the, the notion that it was all uh, a hoax. And then when those first, the, the numbers first came out and showed that cities like New York and Chicago were hit hard, oh, well, you know, those are, what do we care? That's not us anyway. And now they took it to it. Like somehow or other, the virus only affects people of a certain uh, political persuasion. And that's part of uh, the mentality that's out there right now, Monroe. Yeah, except what's happening is you're getting people, young people even, who are dying from the virus, who on their deathbed confession was, oh, I thought it was a hoax. I made a mistake. You know, it's not All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Donald Trump's uh, attitude toward protests in Democratic cities. I uh, I said earlier that um, uh, this was a political calculation on the part of Donald Trump. Uh, we talked about this last week. I think it's pretty clear that Donald Trump is, wants to incite uh, a race war in this country, even if it's. Uh, uh, e even if it's um, more of an exchange of nasty words and an actual war, uh, this is clearly a part of his strategy uh, to be reelected. He clearly, and again, they talk about this uh, in the articles, feels that he can win over suburban voters, right. suburban he's swing right. voters, by scaring them. Right, he's wiping the dog. That's what he's doing. Yeah. But instead of a war against some foreign country, it's a war against American citizens, which is really crazy. But that's what he's doing. I mean, this, this whole this whole martial law, what he, he's trying to get into Democratic run party run cities, and uh, then um, the plan is come September, October. He's going to say this is so out of out of control that he's going to uh, declare martial law, and that we can't we can't we can't have the voting because we have this big problem with these liberals and anti-Trump people, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and any other boogeyman he can scare up. You you know what he did today, Ben? I, I you you you've been in the bubble, so you probably don't. But he just um, killed, Obama had this um, immigration policy, the mm -hmm. housing in the suburbs, and he just killed that. He declared that done so that um, people in the suburbs didn't have to worry about 
um, crime and their property values drop. Uh, and right and you had brown people moving in. Yeah. Now the yeah you know, no I uh, go ahead. Yeah, the problem with that 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 theory with that uh, practice that he's putting into play is that what's been happening in, in in America is that blacks and browns have been moving into the suburbs and whites have been. Um, gentrifying the cities and moving back into the city. So it's not what he's, he's still thinking about 1956 <laughs> American suburbs and it's not that way anymore. Well, you've been around uh, politics a long time, Monroe. Uh, you've seen uh, white backlashes happen in many elections. You saw it happen in 1983 here in Chicago when Harold Washington won the Democratic primary and running against Bernie Epton and then overnight Lifelong Democrats uh, decided they were going to vote Republican. Right. Uh, are you nervous that the same thing could be happening in no. this presidential election? No, 2020 is not 1983. It's not even 2016. The George Floyd killings um, just created a whole different America. It had the same impact on the country now that um, um, the Birmingham had in, in, the, in the 60s with the dogs and the horse, the uh, fire hoses and what have you. And it was so shocking to people that there's been a change of the pace. Um, Black Lives Matter is now popular. It wasn't four years ago, three years ago. But most Americans now. If you look at the demonstrators, for example, in Portland, which is one of America's whitest cities, there's not a lot of black people in Portland. And you have this, this protest that's been going on for more than 50 days, night after night after night. It was dying down. It was getting fewer and fewer people until Trump sent in the stormtroopers. And since then, it, it was back up to 1,000 protesters a night. You had um, um, moms for um, BLM. You had veterans out there. And um, it's been um, reported that the governor met with Trump's people, and so he's going to uh, withdraw the truth from there. So we'll yeah, I, and I... And clearly, that's what Donald Trump wanted to happen. He wanted to stir it up. That's what I'm telling you. That's the strategy. I don't know if it'll work, but that's the strategy. And It's not going to work because the people that he wants to lure back to him are now firmly entrenched on the other side. They're out there doing the protesting. You know, literally millions of Americans have protested since, since um, George uh, Floyd was murdered in, in 350 cities across the country. So it's not back in the 80s. It was a black-white thing. I mean, what you have to think about is Chicago elected a black lesbian woman. For mayor of Chicago, 
So it's not, it's, it's different. I mean, you know, you still got very, you got a significant amount of white people who are like the, like the white people where you are, but not nearly as many as there used to be. All right, uh, let's switch gears and talk about William Barr and his performance yesterday uh, in front of Congress. And uh, he was defiant. Uh, he um, kind of reminded me a little bit of what I had a flashback. Uh, only, only you would rec- remember this Oliver North's testimony uh, during the Iran Contra hearings where he was just going to stand up to the Democrats. And here's a quote, and you'll appreciate this quote. Uh, he was defending. Uh, his approach to dealing with Roger Stone and Michael Flynn uh, and how I, in my opinion, they bent over backwards to take care of the president's uh, men. And he said, quote, the president's friends don't deserve special breaks, but they also don't deserve to be treated more harshly than other people. And sometimes that's a difficult decision to make, especially when you know you're going to be castigated for it. What a bunch of BS, in my humble opinion. They bent over backward for these guys. Poor Bill Barr. You know, he, he, he's, he's been persecuted for, for uh, not prosecuting white-collar criminals. Now, this is, I mean, this, he, was, he, he, he was as slick and slippery as he was with the Senate when he testified before them mm-hmm. a year and something ago. But, um, but, you know, where he, what he did and, and tried to do yesterday was um, carry, uh, eat up as much time as possible. On the, 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 it was, they would be, he would be asked a yes or no question, and they only get five minutes each to talk. And so he would filibuster. Try, he would try to filibuster. And, and go on and on about giving excuses and reasoning and this and that until the time was over and they couldn't ask all the questions they wanted to ask. So they were wise to that. So when he would start off in that, on that route, they would say, they would stop him and say, no, this is what we need to know. Mm-hmm. So he did that. But the problem was that they abandoned the most effective method they could have had. They should have had professional, experienced litigators yeah. questioning him instead of each congressperson on the, uh, on there. Because a lot of them really aren't that good at interrogating somebody. And so he slipped and slid around. Whereas um, if, 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 um, if you'd had um, nothing but lit, uh, litigators, people who know how to ask hard questions, and how and can get to the truth, it would have served them better. Yeah, so people who, who like, do cross-examinations on a regular basis. Right. And I watched it look like a food fight to me, you know, alphabet soup fight. But with the Democrats getting upset because they knew he was lying. I mean, and he, he, he perjured himself. Make no mistake about that. And he will pay a price for it. Because when, when President Biden uh, comes into office next year, there will be a different sheriff in town, and he'll be not, knock, he or she will be knocking on uh, on um, Barr's door. Then we we have a little subpoena for you. 
Well, uh, you've pre- pre- predicting that. By the way, I, I just want to point out uh, that he the issue was uh, whether he's too easy on Roger Stone and Michael Flynn. Uh, and uh, he's saying, no, I just want to make sure everybody's treated fairly. The only one still in jail is Michael Cohen. Right. <laughs> I seem right. to be the only guy who worries about Michael Cohen. Right. Well, but you know, I, 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 he was also questioned about um, bringing, bringing um, forces in to get rid of protesters, peaceful protesters at Lafayette Square. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for that. And he was... It, 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 uh, this one congresswoman, I can't remember who it was, who was questioning him, talked about them tear gassing these peaceful protesters, and he says it wasn't tear gas, and and it was it was some other chemical agent similar to tear, tear gas, but it wasn't. No, I mean it's it's it it it, it, it it's like um, you have a cold and you have a box of tissue. And you saying, um, yeah, no, I need Kleenex. And somebody could say, well, that's not Kleenex. No, so tear gas is a brand name. And people use it the way Frigidaire at one point stood for a refrigerator. I mean, people would call any refrigerator a Frigidaire. So there are other chemical agents that were being used. Mm-hmm. The bar was trying to, to play with semantics. Yeah. Say it wasn't tear gas. Yeah, he's trying to be slick is what he was trying to do. Uh, and Mike, yeah. And so my guess is, is that uh, if you, if you like Donald Trump, you, you, you loved, and I already know this cause I'm getting all my tea party emails about how William Barr really stuck it to Congress. See what William Barr did to Congress. So uh, I, I understand the, the political game uh, he's playing, but uh, the, the, thing, I, the good thing is, He's playing to 38%. And it takes yeah. 50, 50 plus one to win the election. And he's not going to get it. He's not even going to get close. All right, now. And his people will go. And a lot of Republicans are going to go down, too. All right. By the way, uh, I just want to let you know our dear friend Sergio uh, made his predictions yesterday. I think by the ne- when you come on next week, we yeah. may have a vice presidential uh, nominee. Yeah. My guess is, is we're coming very close to that. Uh, and who he said he put Susan Rice yeah. uh, at uh, the, the top of his list. I think that's who his top list was. Susan Rice. Uh, who who are you uh, predicting will be uh, the uh, running mate? Kamala Harris. Okay, me too. From the get go. And you saw the you saw Biden's note card, right? They they showed that when he was speaking yesterday, he had her name at the top with talking points on um, if he was asked about it. He's supposed to say he doesn't hold grudges and what have you. And um, so my it, it really looks like it's going to be her. Yeah, I think so, uh, too. And finally, uh, Sergio's prediction that it's going to be a landslide. Utah! (laughs) You guys with this landslide prediction, I'm not buying it. You got Alabama and Mississippi. Alabama and Mississippi if it's like just a complete um, tsunami. You know what I mean? That's going to really show it. But I, 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 I think um, 
Sergio's right about Utah. I, I think Utah is definitely going to go for Biden. Because wow. Mitt, Mitt, uh, not Mitt, Mitt has um, gone after Trump. He's spoken out against Trump. He's voted yeah. against Trump. Mitt is the president of the Mormons, basically. I mean, he, he's an upper, he's, he's really high up in the organization. They have this strange organization of elders, and he's one of them. And um, they follow him, the Mormons. And Utah is a Mormon state, like Chicago is a Catholic city. Well, I do not believe Utah is going to go for Biden, but I hope I'm wrong. Monroe, uh, stay safe and sound. we got to head out, uh, and we'll talk to you next week, all right? All right. Okay. Bye. Take care. Monroe Anderson, uh, from his study, from his library, with his books in the background and his uh, ancient typewriters in the background, impressive array. What you got for me, D? Any updates before we head out the door? Uh, yeah, we got one quick update here. Uh, just one second. All right fix my audio there. All right, we're good. Uh, first off, thank you to everyone who uh, listened to the live stream chat today. All of you are awesome. If you're listening live and you've yet to join the chat room, do it. You'll have a good time. You'll hang out with like-minded political people. Always a good time. Thank you to everyone who downloaded as well. Make sure you download our part two. It's going to be available uh, at seven o'clock tonight and we're going to be talking with the man. He just sent me an email, Ben. He just sent me the, uh, oh. the clips <laughs> from the city council meeting. What's, how does that go again when he uh, tells me to play the clips? Dennis, play uh, Raylo. Play, and he already assured me that he has a Raylo in there. You know, he heard the interview we did on Friday with uh, Alderman Raylo. Dennis, play Lori Lightfoot. Dennis, it's the the Dennis part. I heard. Dennis, play Alderman. Jones. It's Mr. Bike, Dave Glowatz. He's going to be joining us for another city council synopsis. You mentioned that Raylo interview. You can download that as well. Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. All right, we have an update here uh, before we roll out, Ben. The following comes from Block Club Chicago and Alex Hernandez. Uh, well, it looks like we have another high school that has voted on whether or not to keep or remove their police. Taft High School. Uh, ben, before we go any further, tell us what you know about Taft High School. Mm, Taft High School on the far northwest side of Chicago. Not, no, not far from O'Hare. Way, way, way out in the northwest side of Chicago. And I, as you know, Dee, uh, I believe uh, Kenny Pratt. Uh, went oh, to yeah, Taft Ken. Kenny Pratt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the great basketball players of the early 90s. And as you know, D, uh, he played his college basketball at Iowa State. Of course. So, yeah. And I believe Jim Grabowski went to Taft High School as well, way a long time. And, whoa, how can I not? Oh, my God. Jerry Krause, former general manager of the Chicago Bulls, went to Taft High School and was a backup catcher on the baseball team. Or as they would say on TV, he was a backup catcher on the baseball team. Our host. Taft High School. What a dork. That's correct. How do you know all that? So I don't know. It's sad. All right. It's so sad. last month, the Chicago Board of Education narrowly voted against removing officers from all public schools. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Chicago Public Schools Chief Janice Jackson also chose not to unilaterally make any decisions about the contract with Chicago police, instead leaving the decision to local school councils. So Taft High School, Ben Jarofsky, take a guess here. Uh, if Taft High School voted to remove or keep 
their police? Well, it's the far northwest side of Chicago, and then, but they also have a component that draws kids from all over the city. Far northwest side leads me to say it would keep, because there's a lot of police officers in that area. D, I'm going to go with they voted to keep their police officers. All right. Now, uh, rest in peace. Let me uh, channel my inner Regis Philbin. Ben, is that your final answer? <laughs> is it? Yep. I'm sticking with it. Are you sure about that? You feeling confident? (laughs) How confident do you feel about that? Uh, Can I have a lifeline? Was that this show with the lifeline? Yeah, yeah. Uh Uh, Let me call Dr. Uh, D. Oh, wait, you're Dr. D. Uh, No, sorry. Just that was a bad joke. Taft High School Uh, voted 12 to nothing to keep their police. That's correct. Give me the ball, baby. Give me the ball. (laughs) <laughs> Let me point out that uh, pretty much every school in the city uh, is voting to keep the police. They want the police in the school. And that's the point I was making that Carlos Ramirez Rosa, how many years ago, Day? He didn't listen to me. Didn't listen to me. <laughs> so there you are, Taft High School. What's up? He, uh, the chain smokers, you hear about them? Speaking of Oh, Carlos yeah, Ramirez. our good friend Pat Rod on the Ben Jarofsky Show. He reached out to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page and said, oh, boy, Ben's going to be pissed about this. <laughs> <laughs> the chain smokers, uh, a group I never heard of until, well, it's a long story. But uh, anyway, I got into a bit of a debate with Carlos Ramirez Rosa. I was uh, saying that Stevie Wonder is better than the chain smokers, and he was kind of wishy-washy well can you want to lose that you know that millennial vote although any millennial with a brain is not listening to wcpt 820 but go ahead but if they are they know that stevie wonder is far superior to the chain smoke anyway we had that debate that ancient debate uh but the chain smokers were doing uh there was some kind of benefit or some concert in uh, uh new york a lot of trouble there. No social distancing. That's freaking shit. You know, if Stevie Wonder was having a concert, there would be social distancing, okay? So, yeah, I read that, and I was like, oh, my God, the chain smokers, man. And there was another DJ. Apparently, the head of Goldman Sachs, I'm not making this up, is also a DJ. Did you know that, D? No. Electronic music. <laughs> and that's that's how, that's how that sounds. That's how electronic music sounds, like a car yeah, peeling that's... out. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, too bad I didn't get invited to that party. Oh, boy, the Chainsmokers. Oh, what a great name, by the way. The Chainsmokers. That is a pretty anyway, cool name. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of the Chainsmokers. I heard, I listened to like 20 seconds of one of their songs. Once ago. Sorry, Carlos, if that's your band, God bless you. But I'm a Stevie Wonder guy all the way. And uh, yeah, come on, guys. I get, you know, they're not even millennials anymore, D. I think they're like older millennials, but they're acting like babies. So, <laughs> so Taft <laughs> High School recently voted that as well. And yes, the chain smokers, uh, come on, six feet next time you have a concert, please. Yeah, uh, I heard there's a little rule. Uh, there's a little something that our Chicago mayor does if you don't socially distance uh, when driving with her. <laughs> I won't just turn the car around, I'm going to shut it off, I'm going to kick you out. And I'm gonna make you walk home. Jeez! Whoa! Hey, chain smokers, better not come to Chicago with that New York attitude. Oh, let's just have a huge party in the Hamptons, and we'll just crowd everybody in the room and listen to our crummy music. Sorry, guys. That's I. I don't know where this anti-chain smoker thing is going. I apologize to all our chain smoking fans out there. I really do. Yes, all six of you. But that's our show today. <laughs> 
All right. I want to uh, uh, thank Monroe Anderson for doing an outstanding job. And of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, uh, without whom the show would be possible. And as everyone can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him the chain smoker. Keep yourself oh. a raise. Take <laughs> No one calls him. Can I get a cool nickname one of these days? I thought Dr. D was pretty cool. Anyway, keep yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. That's correct. And I'm happy to report I'm calling out the census cowboy. just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. When I was a kid, I loved the Batman TV show. That's correct. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 